Are you among the sons of disobedience who are being kept for the day of God's wrath? Okay, so maybe you've deconstructed hell, but doesn't God still get mad when people do awful things? Like, what about God's justice? Well, beloved, we'll be answering all of those questions and more. And the most important question that you are probably asking, which is, is God mad at you personally? I will be answering that question today in today's episode, but here's a disclaimer. This episode may leave you with more questions than answers, so proceed with caution. Welcome to Queer Christian Conversations, the podcast where we explore the intersection of queer identity and Christian faith. I'm your host, Coach Yema, and I'm here to guide you through this journey. As an LGBTQ plus affirming Christian coach, I know firsthand that navigating these two identities can be complex, especially when fear, shame, and doubt are involved. That's why on this podcast, I'll be sharing my own experiences, insights, and strategies to help you feel confident in your relationship with God. We'll cover a range of topics from how to reconcile your queer identity with your faith to practical tips for building a strong spiritual foundation. Together, we're going to dive deep into the issues that matter the most to you. So whether you are a Christian who is queer looking to connect with others who share your journey or someone who's curious about how these two identities can coexist, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's have some queer Christian conversations. Wow, 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 wow. This is episode 98, y'all. We are two more episodes from 100. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. Thank you for being on this journey with me. My special guest, for our 100th episode is all lined up. My cousin who I brag about in almost every episode is finally going to be joining us and it's going to be a beautiful, juicy, fun, loving. I know from that episode you're going to feel the bigness of her heart and I hope that it engulfs you and you get welcomed into what I get to experience, what I have been blessed with, honey. So I'm just really excited. Let's jump into the episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've already been welcomed, okay? You know where you are. You know who I am. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about, is God an angry God? And one of the first times that I really got left with questions after I became affirming was working with my client, Amber. Amber and I worked together for 12 weeks. And at the end of our time together, I can honestly say, although I helped her with tools on how to have the question of God's justice answered within her relationship, I ended our time together still not being comfortable with the answers that I provide her or the conclusions that I provided her with. And for me, before my deconstruction, before my affirming of myself in the beginning of my 
devotion to God at the age of 25 in reading the Bible, there's the story about Peter and Jesus. And Peter says some wild stuff, right? Like he usually does. And he was telling Jesus, you're not going to the cross. It's not going to happen. First of all, anybody roll up, I got you, right? And Jesus, the scripture says, looks in Peter's direction is what I thought I was saying anyway, but looks at Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I was new to reading the Bible again and getting to know Jesus 101. And so that took me for a little bit of a loop because I had to ask Jesus, like, first of all, if I say something or do something, are you going to shame me? And so I went to sleep with that question in my mind about the character of who God is. Like, is God a shamer? Is God someone who will punish you and call you out? I went to sleep and had a dream that basically let me know how God corrects us and how I was reading the scripture wrongly because in the scripture, it does say that Jesus actually was looking at the disciples but then talking to Peter, calling Peter out. So it was, it was a little bit confusing for me, but in the dream, it was clarified, right? And what the clarification was, and I'll share this when we get into the main segment of it in a deeper sense, but the clarification was when I was asking about the character of God is that God's correction will always be correcting in the way of a reminder of who you are, which is perfection, which is love. But all of that is really good and nice. But what Amber's situation had me stuck on was what about everybody else, right? Like we as Christians are good, but what about everybody else? So that's what you and I are going to be having a conversation about today. Now, my, um, my question right? Because for believers, it's easy to understand that Isaiah 40, uh, if it's Isaiah 54, sorry, Isaiah 54, nine, God promises that just as in the days of Noah, um, when the rainbow, you know, (laughs) oh man, I'm only laughing because I'm so much further along now in the understanding of Genesis and the book being a myth that is just really interesting and funny now. But I digress. In Isaiah 54, 9, the scripture says, God's saying that I'm no longer going to be mad at you again. I'm no longer going to punish the earth. And then in Hebrews, we have the understanding where God is saying, we're in a whole new covenant. I'm I'm going to put your sins as far away from you as the east is from your west. I will remember them no more, right? And it's speaking to believers. But that's God's character with believers. What about God's character with people who are not believers? What about God's way of treating people who don't agree with God? Because as queer people, we can find ourselves in a situation where we are being looked at by the larger Christian population as people who are really not believers, right? Because they tell us that we can't be gay and Christian. And so even though we can find comfort 
in the Christian part of things that says, well, God's not going to be mad at me because I believe in Jesus. But the whole queer situation, the whole LGBTQIA, okay? Oh, what did somebody say the other day? Oh, man. They said the LGBTQIA in a really beautiful, fun way. And I can't remember it now. Here goes my tangent. Lord help me, okay? So the queer part of our identity can have us feeling like we're actually part of the people who don't believe and who are not in agreement with God. And so we, like the question I asked in the beginning of the episode, may be on the end of the wrath of God, like how it gets inferred in the interpretation of Romans 1. So what do we do with all of that? What is the question that we're asking, right? Is the character of God one of a punisher to those who don't agree with God? Is God an angry God? If we look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, yes, we gonna go there, honey, okay? In the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, we have one of the most talked about and referenced um, examples of God's wrath being rained upon people who are in opposition to the will of God. But when you look at that story historically, what may have been happening, you know, how the sulfur and all of that was coming from the sky, plain and simple, it and I'm just saying possibly, right? Because I wasn't there, you weren't there, but I'm just giving you another way of looking at it and receiving it that you can study on your own. What possibly was happening was there was a volcano eruption <laughs> that happened, okay? So if Sodom and Gomorrah is coming up for you, like, yes, you know, it was because of queerness, which Ezekiel 16, 49 clears up it was not because of any male which it wasn't even it wouldn't even make sense because it wasn't man to man it was human to angel either way it wasn't because of that it was because of the pride of Sodom and Gomorrah that they believed the volcano erupted okay just to put that to the side the question of God being a punisher and God being angry and there being a way of God expressing that anger when we go against the will of God really boils down to this question of the sovereignty of God, right? Because if God is in absolute control of everything, then when we go against the will of God, God has to respond. So what we see in the, and I'm going to be speaking um, right now from the standpoint of just a faith reading of the Bible through Christian lens, okay? Sorry, I just hit the phone. But through a Christian lens, which is in the Old Testament, they were in a covenant with God that said, if you do good, you get good. Think about Deuteronomy 28. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. But even in the reading of the Old Testament, there is still a dominant expression of the mercy of God and the grace of God. But in that covenant specifically, right, not with Abraham, because Abraham was in the covenant of grace, which we, if you're looking at the covenants of the Bible, are now a part of. If you read Galatians, right, we are the seed of Abraham through Christ. 
But for Moses folks, okay, which is why Jesus will always say, well, Moses said, right? Under Moses law, right? You pluck an eye, your eye get plucked out. You kill, you die, right? So that was the situation they were in. Then you get into the New Testament, which does not start in the Gospels, right? Which starts after the, the resurrection, now we are in a new covenant, which it doesn't matter what you do, you always will receive, which is what Isaiah 54, 9 is alluding to. You always receive all of the blessings, all of the grace, all of the mercy, right? Hebrews 4, 6, 4, 6 says, come to the throne of grace to receive time, to receive help in your time of need. So all of the good things for believers is happening under the faith of Christianity and how we see it now to the people on the outside. The scripture tells us that God is mad at those people and that they are being saved for the day of wrath. A quick side note here for you, uh, go look up the actual translation of the word wrath um, in the Old Testament. It actually refers to God's nostrils <laughs> it refers to the nose of god just go look it up it'll be a fun thing for you to see put your eyes on it i you know i'm always telling you guys to put your eyes on something don't just take my word for it so the wrath of god for the people on the outside god's like waiting for them to believe and then if they don't believe then they're going to go to hell but if God is absolutely sovereign, that means God is also in control of those people who are not believing. So it actually becomes God's fault that they don't believe. Because when we really bring the punishment and the anger of God, maybe not to the day of wrath, but we bring it into like the, the everyday of God, um, the every, our day-to-day -day life with God, we are really talking about, well, my prayer didn't get answered. Uh, someone that I love really deeply, I prayed for them. And this is actually, uh, have come up in my sessions with my clients. And so in Confidently Queer, I do have resources to walk you through the sovereignty of God. Um, I pray for my family member, for example, they did not uh, live. They ended up still having whatever problems they had. Things didn't work out. I pray for a certain job. Somebody else got it, right? Is it because God's mad at me? If God's in absolute control, then when bad things happen to you, it's because God's angry with you. And then when good things happen to you is because you're behaving correctly. And so that's not just for the believers. That's for everybody, right? So that logically doesn't really track because if God is in absolute control, then your belief in the devil really is saying that the devil is actually working for God, like God created the devil so that God could just be a really a mean person because then it doesn't even go to God being a punisher. It just goes to God being an abuser, right? Because you're in absolute control of all of the bad things that are happening and all of the good things. Because if I'm saying that God is a God of justice, then I'm looking at when people who do me wrong get wrong done to them. Uh, I'm saying, oh yeah, right? Like 
the scripture says, um, leave it up to God, be good to people, but leave room for the vengeance of God. I'm going to be saying yes, right? Of course, that's God getting my lick back, right? <laughs> and I'm not sitting here. Listen, beloved, I said in the beginning, and I gave you the disclaimer that you may have more questions than answers from this episode, but that's a good thing because it's going to push you to have conversation with God that's real and not fake. <laughs> so you can really say like, what the heck? Um, why is all this stuff happening? Like, who are you really, right? So back to the whole God getting our lick back and that being the justice of God, if God is in control of the good things, if God has absolute control, then God also has to be blamed for all of the bad things that's happening, right? Like, where were you when I trigger warning here? Where were you when I was sexually abused as a child? Where were you when I was with a friend and was drunk and got taken advantage of? Where were you when my parents divorced? Where were you when all of these things happened because you were supposed to be here because we learned and mainly y'all, this comes through the lens and the filter of Calvinism. But we learn that, right? That God is in absolute control, but it just logically, it doesn't make sense that there would even be a day of wrath because God from the beginning would have somehow orchestrated all of this anyway, which would mean that we don't have any free will, that there is no freedom of choice because the choice has already been determined for us. So then what's the way out of this? Here is a possible way for you to not make peace with it, but to begin having a more informed conversation with God. So it's possible that God is not in control, but that God is in charge. And what's happened is that God's given the control of the earth to humans so that we actually have access to influence the world around us and that it's not God playing master puppeteer that God has actually said hey I'm gonna I created this world for you you are in control go ahead and reign and rule and help each other and do good things heal the sick raise the dead it could be that I'm not saying that's the answer I'm giving you an option where God is not in absolute control so then we can't look at the situations like the reason why I brought up Sodom and Gomorrah we can't look at the volcano <laughs> erupting and say oh God did that right even in on um, insurance policies you'll have acts of God right because it's so ingrained in our culture that when storms happen it's God's will that the storm's happening right when we saw um Things happened with, what was it, with Katrina, where they started blaming um, all the things that happened in New Orleans, like all of the voodoo, like, oh, it's God's judgment against New Orleans, or all the weird things that we do as Christians because we have this understanding that God is in absolute control and that the wrath of God, right, is just waiting. God is just holding on to it and is just ready to release it onto people, or it could just be storm systems that happen. Um, are we in control of that? My woo-woo supernatural self will say, and I did learn this in Bible college, that we do have, 
we do have control over the weather. And even back in back to Native American experiences with things like the rain dance, right, where we can call in rain when it's needed. I've seen that happen um, in real life. So I'm not going to act like it's a weird thing that I haven't seen before. I've experienced that where we've prayed for rain and things did happen. So do we have control in the earth? Yes, is my understanding and how I honestly live my life now. And so because I believe that if something happens to me where I get sick, I'm not thinking, oh, I must have pissed God off and now God's putting sickness on me. If somebody in my family gets sick, I'm not like, oh, they must be in sin. And so now God put sickness on them for them to learn their lesson. No, things happen, right? And But I have control over creating that. Like I can step into faith and receive the healing. I know for my own body, I've prayed for people. They've been healed. So this is not something that's outside of my personal experiences. So now let's get to the question of, is God mad at you personally? Does God have an emotion of where God would be angry with you or with me? I know personally for me that God is not mad at me But what does God do when we are submitted and in relationship with God and we are doing something that is not pleasing to God? And things that are not pleasing to God would be things like you calling yourself stupid, you looking down on yourself, you esteeming yourself as worthless. Those are the things that would be not pleasing to God. So the dream that I had that I referenced earlier, I went to sleep and in that question of like, God, do you shame people? Are you like, cause I don't want a relationship with that. I got enough of that in my real life. (laughs) So I went to sleep and in the dream, I was in bed with this man and my earthly father came in the room And I got in so much trouble. I felt so dirty. I felt so disgusting. I felt irretrievably just bad and awful and dirty. And then the dream stopped and then it started all over again. And the second time, what was a figure of the Heavenly Father walked into the room and I was called up higher into my worth, into my beauty. And so I, in the dream, acknowledged that something, the behavior that I was engaging in was not in alignment with the truth of who I am, right? Which is amazing and beautiful and worthy of all the good things. Says this, I really don't remember who the person was, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> actually, I don't, I don't know if it was actually someone in my real life. I think it was just because it was, this was fresh off me and coming out of, um, me being a party girl and just, you know what I mean? One nice dance here and there. I mean, just do living my best life, honestly, and me getting to know God. And so that from my life at the time was brought into the dream because God knew that I would understand it immediately because what would happen in those one night stands would be, I would wake up in the morning and be feeling extremely guilty. will grab me a bottle, go hang out with my friends and move on. 
uh, but there was always the guilt. And so in this dream, the guilt came, my father came, exacerbated the, the guilt, and then the dream starts over. God comes in and calls me higher up into the beauty of who I am and not making it the the thing and the act and the behavior I was doing, not making it my identity. So if God is not pleased with your behavior, there is not an anger there. And I shared this before. I'm not sure if it's been on the road to 100, um, one of these episodes, maybe it was somewhere else. But what God has helped me to understand is that God has memory of me from the day of my birth. Let's just say, I mean, obviously for forever, but the moment of my conception unto right now. And so God has memory of all of the situations of my childhood that has led to the behaviors, the mindsets, the subconscious programming that I have that causes me to behave in the way that I behave now. And so there is no way if you had that knowledge of someone that you would be angry with them for what they are doing because you would see the three-year-old child that got told that she was worthless or you would see the four-year-old little girl who was molested and then started acting out in school and got scolded and told that she was whatever, fast and whatever the case was to the young lady now who was busting it wide open, right? You would not judge that 20-something-year-old because you would see where it started. And so your work would not be to pluck off the fruit of the behavior, but to work on the root of where that worthlessness feeling came in. So it's, it's impossible for God to be angry with you. God God is bigger than the mistakes or your interpretation of your mistakes in your life because God has visibility of all of your life. And that's not just true as a believer, right? Because we all have history, right? So even for non-believers, and this is my understanding, you definitely don't have to agree with me. It may sound universalist. I don't I don't identify as a universalist, but I identify as someone who is knowledgeable of how God has shown up and manifested in my experience. And so I can't see that God being love is different from those on the outside. Right. And so the experience of deconstructing hell, there is not a day of wrath that's awaiting people. And to go back and clarify Romans 1 that talks about the wrath of God being revealed unto those who are being disobedient. Just really quickly, that section, Romans 1, 18 to 32, is a literary tool of debate and persuasion that Paul is using to ignite a certain, a certain emotion in the Jewish Christians that were listening who were having issues with the Gentiles. So he was, in a sense, at that moment, agreeing with them, like, yeah, look at them. They're not even, you know, they're not worshiping God and they over here, you know, acting a fool and da-da-da-da-da. And the Jewish Christians would have been like, yeah, 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 call them out, call them out, right? 
And then in Romans 2.1, he says, how dare you judge them? Okay. So it was not Paul saying that there's wrath awaiting people. Okay. And first Corinthians six is being brought up to me right now to, to share with you a revelation that God um, showed me a couple of days ago, which when talking about that adulterers and men who lay with men and um, all the other things that are in that verse that says they will not inherit the kingdom of God is speaking about inheritance in the sense of experiencing in this right now moment because the kingdom of God is within you the kingdom of God is right now and so if you are someone who's committing adultery and you are someone who is using people for sex you more than likely are not experiencing love you're not experiencing peace you're not experiencing joy and it does talk about righteousness but what righteousness is is a right standing with God. And what that right standing is, is oneness. So someone who is walking in oneness is not using other people because you're walking in love because God is love. So that's just a little bit of a little, a little a meditation for you there at the end. Beloved, um, I'm sure you have questions, but what I want you to do, here's your homework. I want you to go ahead and grab your journal, write those questions down and have this be a conversation that is ongoing with you and God and keep asking until you get to a place of peace, not certainty, but a place of peace about who God is. So until next time, I love you. Stay blessed, stay loved. And remember, God is not mad at you. Bye.